Hey, what's up? Today we are talking with Chris Turner, the drummer of Ocean's 8 Alaska. Really sick drummer, and he also just put out a really nice solo record that's doing really good for him. And so we talk about all that, his plans as a career as a drummer and a solo artist, and everything. Really good conversation. But first... One of the best ways you can support the podcast is by leaving a five-star review on whatever platform you're currently listening on. We are one of the fastest-growing metal podcasts in the world, and leaving that review helps push us to the algorithm and to people that might not have heard us otherwise. Our goal is to show the lived experiences of different musicians and different people that have worked in the industry and to inspire people to want to be involved and want to reach out into their dreams by hearing the experiences on this podcast. So you leaving a five-star review pushes us to someone that might not have heard it if you hadn't, and you might change someone's life. <laughs> it's like pulling teeth trying to get people to leave reviews, but really that's what we're talking about. We're just trying to reach people to inspire them to get involved in the music industry. So again, if you could leave a five-star review, and uh, I would appreciate that greatly. Thank you. Let's get into the episode with Chris Turner. It is a really good one. And I am Johnny McBee. You're listening to the Burn This World podcast. Yeah, we'll just get straight into it uh, here with old boy Chris from Ocean's 8 Alaska. How you doing? Yeah, I'm pretty good, dude. How you doing? <laughs> doing good. And you're, it seems like you're kind of really pushing a lot of solo stuff as well, not just the Ocean's 8 Alaska stuff. Yeah, dude. I mean, it's a, that's a, it's, we're, we really did get straight into it. Damn. That's just like, there's so <laughs> much to unpack from that simple sentence. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And I mean, because so, Ocean's so, 8 Alaska has been active for a long, long time and is a really relevant band. But like, if you look at your profile, like it can take a second to realize what band you're even in because you have so much of the solo stuff being active. So True, yeah. And it's not like it was, um, I didn't necessarily plan to like shift away from that. It was just sort of quite natural the way it happened. Yeah. Uh, obviously... I mean, I was touring full time with Oceans, like eight, nine months a year. It was like crazy intense touring. And obviously when, you know, COVID hit, all of that, all those tours, everything got wiped. And I, I just had that moment of, oh God, what am I going to do? Like, I've yeah. got no work. I've got, I've, I've got no, the other guys, they work jobs and they do, you know, they've got either part-time or full-time jobs. They can come back to them, but music is my entire income. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it just hit me like, what am I going to do? Do I go get a regular job? No, I'm not going to do that. That's just not in my blood anymore. I was like, I play drums, I write music, I record music. That's what I do. So how can I make money from my house doing that right now? And the answer to me was do a solo album because I can keep being creative and keep writing music, you know, on my own. I don't have to have anyone here or at the house. So I can still isolate do all that. Um, but I can keep creating and then I can keep drumming and I can essentially, instead of performing live, my plan for the solo album was, you know, how I did this whole, you know, it's all one take. It's all, you know, not snap to grid. It's no triggers. It's no samples. It's all, it's basically a live performance, but from a studio. And my plan was to just try and keep, you know, a, essentially a live show alive during COVID. And yeah, I did the solo album, uh, 
basically to just replace my source of income and to keep me doing what I do uh, instead of going working some job I don't really care about. Yeah, and, and it's it's shifting back to oceans now. I've I've only released the record sort of like five six weeks ago, the solo album, and oceans record is finished now, and the oceans record's about to be released. I think I think there's a song out this month, and then the full record next month. I'm not really sure, but you know we're we're playing festivals again. We're back on the road again, so it's probably gonna my profile will probably move back towards looking like I'm back in oceans. But <laughs> yeah. it you know it's just kind of the way it went. You know what I mean? It, well, it really was quite natural, but I suppose from, I haven't thought about it like that, but I suppose from an outsider's perspective, it does just look like this is just a solo drummer. But maybe that's not a bad thing. I don't know. No, it's not. It's I mean, different to be a solo drummer. Well, and it's also building your own personal brand. And there's plenty of drummers like Luke Holland who had a personal brand and it rotated into like being in bands and being one of the main drummers in the scene uh, because of that. And so building your own personal brand is a good thing, hundred percent. Um, and I mean, it's doing Absolutely. well for you. It's doing well for you too. I mean, you're, you're at like 40,000 monthly listeners on Spotify or something like that. Um, and so yeah, yeah, that's, it. that's a really solid number um, for a solo release of any sort. Um, and especially as a drummer, that's especially really good. Um, you know, it, <laughs> so it, it really is solid. So as far as stylistically, um, were you trying to do something very different from Ocean's Eight Alaska or was that more, uh, this sound just, were you going for something very specific? Like why the style that you're doing for the solo stuff? Well, you know, you know, as well as me working in a band is, you know, it's a democracy, isn't it? Like yeah. plenty of things will happen that you might be for or against but you know if three out of five vote yes you know even if you're in the two people that voted no you know you have to sort of just put your feelings aside and okay this is what we want to do as a unit sort of thing yeah um and plenty of my ideas in oceans this it's going to sound like they always tell me no that's not the case but you know often i come up with quite weird ideas and you know they just sort of get voted out and when i decided you know i need to do this solo record essentially because of the covid reason it hit me i was like dude i can do all my ideas that they said no to (laughs) (laughs) yeah um and i understand why they said no to some of them like one of my ideas a while back was i listened to a a style of music called grime it's like uk uk rap i guess i absolutely love grime and um i suggested to them a while back i was like why don't we do grime beats with metal for the next album and they all said no. They was like, that's just not right for us. Which, again, I get it. But now solo album time, I'm like, hell yeah. <laughs> I'm doing that. Oh, for sure. <laughs> that's, that's me all over. Do you know what I mean? It, and it, that, that's kind of the point of a solo album. You know, it's my solo record and I'm going to do the things that I, I enjoy. Do you know what I mean? And I these are the two styles of music I enjoy. I enjoy metal and I enjoy grime. So I just did both. Yeah. And it, it's the same with the, you know, the artwork and the videos. Like, all of the styling and the branding it, it's just me it, it's been so easy to brand dude i can't even explain because there's not been like anything like i've not been trying to fake anything like my brand right now is me so it's like cool what style merch do we want well this is the sort of clothes i wear so just do that right <laughs> it's like oh well what do you want in your videos like how do you want to be represented i'm like well i don't know i love japanese cars i love I love this, I love that. Let's just do some of that. 
okay cool so it's been super easy to have the branding consistent because i've just done whatever i like and whatever i like is usually burned down in oceans because it's too personal to me yeah uh, and it's not broad enough to fit oceans so yeah it just kind of fell into place but the style of music is literally just it's just me all over (laughs) yeah and um you know i like that it 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 is still you know very groovy stuff and it's very heavy and i you know i'm a big fan of of like meshing genres together obviously with the browning it's pretty much the whole time uh of all sorts of random crap um but oceans Eight alaska also very much so meshes a lot of different stuff together like oceans Eight alaska is super dynamic in that sense yeah well if uh, a lot of people have sort of caught onto it now that i am the the primary composer if you will for oceans yeah um because I guess now people have seen, you know, th- this is sort of what he does on his own. Yeah. Wow, this is super closely linked to oceans, so they've, they've sort of made the connection there. Yeah. For um, sure. I don't want to. I don't want to appear. I don't know what's. I don't know the word that I'm looking for, but I don't want to appear like I'm trying to steal the show here for oceans. Because you know, of course, there is still hella collaborative efforts on a lot of stuff. But you know, when it comes to composition, I definitely am one of the the yeah. main sort of sort of dudes in that aspect for sure and i mean Um, i come from like with the browning i write 99 percent of the music um and even this last album uh, i wrote mix mastered ever literally every single aspect of it was from me um but i do think oh hard yeah i even whenever it is a a collaborative effort i do think it's very important for one one person to kind of have like an overall vision and direction um to take other people's ideas and kind of funnel it Dude, I couldn't agree anymore. I mean, I said a minute ago, like being in a band is like a democracy. You still have to have like a face to that party, you know, a leader. Yeah, it, it's just too many cooks in the kitchen gets messy. Yeah, and y- you don't want to fight over it. You just want someone that can, yeah, direct it. I guess we'll yeah. call we'll call it that. I am the compositional director of oceans. <laughs> Project <laughs> we'll manager. There you go. That's it, yeah. <laughs> but no, I'm very similar to you because uh, I also have an audio production background. Um, so I do all the pre-production for Oceans. That's, Sick. I guess, why I have such a heavy influence on the writing as well because I'm clicking away on Pro Tools doing it all. Yeah, but for sure. Then after that, I actually go ahead and I record all the guitars and bass and vocals and everything. The only thing I don't record is drums because I'm playing the drums. Yeah. Um, I usually have Mick Sampson record them. But the difference between you and I is I don't mix or master it. I, I get that outsourced. But I do all the uh, the engineering yeah. side of it. Well, I think it's important because uh, that, that is the aspect that um, is where you really determine like what the song is and what the, what the overall composition is. And whenever you're the one putting the time into it, that's the most grueling part of the recording process. No one else is going to want to put as much time into that as you. So I think it's very important Dude. for bands to track themselves so that you can spend however much time you need dialing in the song rather than having someone trying to rush you to get it over with so they can go home that night and, you know, do their thing. Like, it's best to have the setup like you. Anyone listen, there's a lot of starting up bands that listen to this podcast. You got to learn how to track yourself so that you can spend as much yep. time as you want on it. Definitely. Although I will still advise having someone else mix and master oh, yeah. i i stand by that personally just as a personal choice because 
when similar to what you were saying if someone sat there for like three weeks alone just recording guitars all day every day for a record when it comes to mixing that record you're just sick of it you yeah, just don't want to know it so the fun bit is mixing it the creative bit is mixing it so if you can do the tedious thing at home that no one else wants to do and you can get it perfect and then just send a mix of the stems they literally are like fresh and ready do you know what i mean yeah they've got you know no no tainted opinions of anything and they can just jump in and do what they think's best and i find that it, it kind of filters it through a bit of a system and it just the product gets a bit better and a bit better at every step of the way then so yeah. i i really like sending it off to be mixed and mastered with someone else and i i always keep them separate as well so whoever mixes it i never have master it gotcha. again it's like another filtration yeah um, if there's something that they missed you know it generally gets picked up at someone else's rig or someone else's ears so yeah that's, that's just my like how i enjoy doing it but it's not to say it's the only way of course well i think i think that that is the optimal way you know i'm just an idiot so like <laughs> and so it definitely it's just is expensive the best way. doing that it's expensive and also like um depending on your sound too um like this might sound really stupid but like i actually like didn't care if this last album sounded worse than any others before i more so just wanted to create something that was very unique um and something that was of its own and so it's like i didn't necessarily care if it if it held up to industry standards i just wanted it to be like its own entity uh sound tone wise everything um but i mean on on that note dude how many how many bass tones have you heard <laughs> that when you hear the bass tone yeah. on its own you think ew that is the nastiest yeah. thing ever <laughs> but a part of the record you think whoa that is awesome that yeah. bass is stanky it stands out <laughs> it's the same with like guitar tones like there's some guitar tones on modern records that i've been listening to and i've been thinking their guitar tone is it's pretty horrible there's no clarity there's no yeah. nothing but oh man is it so disgustingly stanky and it stands out and it makes the record big and full and thick and it's like I sort of know where you're coming from. Like sometimes the best tones are almost too neat, yeah. and then it takes it steals the fun from it, and Definitely. everything becomes too like uniform. And a lot, I think a lot of the character can come from not. I don't want to say more rough production, yeah, but just production that's less zoomed in. You know, someone hasn't sat there and like grafted over it too hard it's right. almost left a bit loose in certain areas and then you get a bit more character back exactly I don't know, it's it's a funny one dude it is a funny one but i, I, I completely understand where you're coming yeah. from and it's all like it's all just different perspectives and my my whole thought on it too was like everyone's favorite music right now like in the metal scene is all stuff from like the mid 2000s 2010 like everything sounded way worse back yeah. then you know yeah and so to me, it was just about the songs, less about the production, whereas I feel like a, a lot of people mainly focus on the production rather than the songs themselves. Um, and so that, uh, it, that was it, my thoughts. It's so dependent, isn't it? Because I definitely believe that production can make or break a record as yeah. well. Because I've heard records um, that when they were first released, like, actually, here's a, an example I just thought of one. You know, The Contortionist, when yeah. they did Exoplanet? Yeah. So I loved that record so much. I loved the messy little drum parts where you can tell it wasn't like snapped to grid. And yeah. I remember when they did the they did like a remastered version of it, and I hated it. It ruined <laughs> the album for me. <laughs> it was kind of the same thing with the Born of Osiris uh, Rain, the new Rain album. I didn't like the remaster. And they redid that. 
Yeah. Yeah. It's it's partly nostalgic as well, isn't it? Like you yeah. just want it to be the way you you liked it. Right. <laughs> Maybe it is better, but we just we just prefer what we know. Yeah, the band probably loves it, but all the fans that have listened to New Rain ten thousand times, like, just want it to sound like that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and um I mean the production on your solo stuff is is really nice, like heavy and really uh clear and so you mix master or not mix mastered but you tracked everything and all that did you do nick samson on that too yeah i tend to um i'm not like afraid of working with new people but when i've i've always had this like vision of like a dream team and it's like yeah when you've got like a great player you sort of you keep them close in your dream team and yeah. you, you accumulate this perfect like unit and i, I kind of feel like i've I've got that. The past few records I've worked on, it's always been the same team and we've just got better and better at working together and a stronger unit. And it, I just love it, dude. So within that dream team, you know, Nick Sampson is always the mixer and Mike Kalashian is always mastering. Yeah. It's just, and there's a lot of respect. Like, you know, so I've, I've seen sometimes mixers get upset when, you know, the mastering changes the product in a way that they didn't want the mix to sound. But, you know, Nick, absolutely loves mike's masters there's a ton of respect and and mike adores nick's mixes and and if they do need changes they're not because they know each other as well they're not afraid to say hey can you tweak this yeah i don't know man to me it's just the dream team yeah that's (laughs) sick i mean um uh, it's a lot less work on your end every project it's streamlined and uh, especially with the modern world you want things to be streamlined you want to get music out quick and effortlessly you know When it comes to production for me, for my solo stuff anyway, it's everything has to be organic. I just, it's, it's what music is to me. Obviously music means something different to everyone, but to me it is a craft. And, you know, I see a lot of drummers and a lot of bands now and it's like, why, why have you even got a drummer? Why have you even <laughs> learned? Is this, why even bother having a drummer at this point? You know what I mean? And yeah. that makes me sad and I like to keep it as organic as possible. So gotcha. obviously in the drum realm, there's there's no triggers, there's no samples, there's no yeah. samples even blended. People say, oh, so you haven't even taken a kick sample of your kit and blended that in the background for consistency. I'm like, nope, there is literally no form of sampling on this kit. It is live audio processed. Yeah. It's the same with the whole snap to grid thing. Like I could talk about snap to grid all day, dude, but... <laughs> I I love the the fact that it's not snap to grid. It, yeah. it makes it have so much more life and it's so much more colorful and exciting. Like the songs, because I write the songs on the computer first, like pre-production with MIDI drums. And the transformation, dude, is hilarious. When yeah. you hear it go from like MIDI drums on pre-pro to live drums, it's actually funny. Yeah. It's like the song has a new lease of life. It's like it goes through different emotions and different dynamics and it, yeah. it's wild. And the minute you snap it to grid, you just fucking get rid of it. <laughs> uh, I understand, like, if your drummer need, like, is so far away from the grid that they need, you know, they need it yeah. and fair play. But, you know, someone like myself, I've put, you know, my entire life, all this dedication into, you know, mastering my art and craft of drumming. And, you know, when it with, with drummers like myself, you don't need to be snapped to grid. I think it actually makes the product worse yeah. when you snap it to the grid with a drummer like myself. Yeah, but yeah, dude, drum, drums are super natural, super clean. Loads of room sound, loads of just ambience. Yeah, uh, guitars. There's no amp sims. I don't want any digital tones. It's all reamped. 
bass there's no midi bass everything is all live bass like i just i just love real instruments yeah. i just love it <laughs> i don't want anything anything you know faked here i right. just want it all organic sounding and yeah I mean, that, that's just what i that's what excites me about music you know yeah. what i mean that's why i kind of do that with oceans again even that's a bit different like the guys on the latest record they wanted a a more uh sort of i don't know i don't know the word like a more aggressive guitar tone that's super like it is less clear and it is more dirty and it is more kind of like grainy and you get that from you know obviously digital and amp sim so we've got amp sim for all of that and it's just stylistic preference isn't it but yeah. my preference is you know keep it organic yeah it's just what i like <laughs> i'm i'm gonna give you a pro tip and that is to not listen to the browning <laughs> Yeah, because <laughs> like, well, because I personally I want things to sound digital. Like it's because the Browning is like an electronic metal band. Like I want stuff to sound programmed. I want I want the guitars to sound digital at times. Like uh, even like vocals, I want it to be over processed and over digitized. Like that's like a sound that I particularly want. But like you said, it's stylistic. Um, also, as with sure. with. Um, like with you wanting really natural tones for your drums and for everything on your record. Um, I think that that's uh, like the musician part of you, like the nerdy musician part of you that wants, like you want to enjoy what you are creating. And so for you to enjoy it, it has to have that, but probably an everyday listener might not hear that difference, you know, but like, dude, I've literally had so many comments on YouTube saying like, dude, we don't care if it snaps a grid or not. Like, we don't care if you use triggers or not. We just want to listen to the song. I'm like, <laughs> I've replied to a couple of them as well. And I've said, Dave, that's rad that you don't care. And you just hear because you like the tunes. But yeah. I care. Yeah, well, <laughs> you're, it's my album. Yeah, so. exactly. You're writing music for you. Like, it's it's the yeah. same thing with the Browning for me. I write music that I like. Like, personally, the Browning is my favorite metal band, even though I write 100% of the music. And that's probably why. Cause I'm just exactly going towards what I want. And so it's, it's cool that you did that for this record too, and went out of your way to, um, to make it as natural as possible. Um, and yeah, cause you, I mean, everyone's got, go sorry, ahead. go ahead. No, go ahead. I was just gonna say, everyone has their opinion on everything. Don't they? It's like, you know, I don't know. You, you watch a film and you know, people who have no idea about, you know, cinematography or movie making, they're like, Oh, I didn't like the ending. Or like, you know, everyone's always yeah. got an opinion on other people's work. Yeah. And as musicians, like we have that, you know, as composers, we listen to other people's work and we think, oh, I really like this, that, the other, but I hated the structure. Yeah. Or I wish they didn't do this here or I wouldn't have done that. And when you write your own music, exactly what you want, isn't it? It's like <laughs> you did it the way you wanted it to be. So people say that to me. They're like, what's your favorite songs at the minute? I'm like, oh, I don't want to say my own, but probably one of my own. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Yeah, it's all how I want it to be. Exactly, and I, I think that's awesome, and that that's how I am with music that I write. Um, I absolutely love it. And um, so, with your record, like, what is your favorite aspect of it? Like, beyond the natural, like, production side of it, like, what's your the favorite aspect? Is it the drum playing itself? Is it the structures? Did you what did you think that you did above and beyond what um, you could have otherwise? I mean, in terms of going above and beyond, like, yeah, the production aspect is pretty, pretty out there. You know, no one's doing 
one take songs on recordings how unheard of is that yeah (laughs) like for an for an album that is super unheard of like maybe a live album yeah but that that's that's probably the above and beyond bit but that isn't like what i'd say is like the most exciting aspect still the the most exciting aspect is just the music dude pure and simple that is my answer because you know there's certain songs on there that have in my opinion very basic drumming you know like butcher boys has super basic drumming and i've had a lot of comments saying like for a drummer's solo album why isn't the drumming crazy in every song and i'm like i never set out to do that yeah you know you see some like solo guitarists they do like albums where it's just shredding for 10 songs and like i don't enjoy listening to that um i don't know maybe guitarists enjoy listening to that but when i set out to do this i wanted to write a good album like a good album for people to enjoy and put one in the car and say to the homies like listen to this track this is so sick and you know that to get that you don't have crazy drumming all the time and you know that's why there is songs like butcher and you know the songs with way more simple drum parts just because it it made a good song so to me i think i'd pride myself on i really believe that i wrote some good songs yeah <laughs> like that's awesome. songs that i can Songs that can make me feel something, songs that can make me bop, songs that will make me pull faces. Yeah. Songs that I want to show people. I want to say, listen to this, look how cool this is. And I like seeing people's reactions to it when they pull faces and they nod their head and they go, whoa, what happened then? Rewind that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I think for me, for me, it is literally the music speaks for itself. Yeah. Well, that's tight. And, uh, you know, I think that structures is to me the current worst thing about like modern metalcore in the metal genre i think people are not going above and beyond structure wise i think people are really stuck in like a standard structure and so um like you just said like some people will go back and be like whoa what was that like it's good to catch people by surprise in metal it's like that's important and so um and i think a lot of the stuff that you have in there is is that route and um also with watching a lot of the drum videos that you post uh, on like your instagram and everything of the, or even the videos of you recording these songs like all that um it's something i just had bryce butler on the podcast he was the last episode um he's a drummer oh, nice. yeah he's a drummer of shadow of intent uh so i feel like mm. your style and his style vi- are so vastly different in a lot of ways um like he's Dude, out there, definitely. he's out there grinding just like, you know, 300 BPM double bass and blast beats and the stuff you're doing. Uh, and he's doing some intricacies with cymbal work and different things like that and fills and some little like gospel licks and stuff like that. But like your stuff, it, I feel like whenever you're playing your crap, like how concentrated do you have to be <laughs> on what you're trying to do? <laughs> Hello, here I am in the middle of the episode talking to you, the listener again. And I'm going to ask one more time if you could leave a five-star review on whatever platform you're listening to. As you can hear in this conversation, we're talking about all sorts of stuff that might inspire someone to want to take their music career or a creative career really seriously. And so you leaving a five-star review pushes us in the algorithm to maybe reach someone we might not have reached otherwise. So you might change someone's life by leaving a five-star review. And uh, I would really appreciate it. And so would the guests on this. It also pushes their voice and their platforms to more people. So again, leave a five-star review and thank you. Keep on enjoying the episode. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, you see it in my face, don't you? Yeah. Zone out. I literally am zoned out. So many people say to me, like, why, why do you look so tense? Why do you look so stiff when you play? Like, 
you need to loosen up, man. I'm like, dude, I'm as loose as it gets. Yeah. I am free as a bird. I'm just, I'm in another planet. <laughs> That's yeah. all. <laughs> I literally, dude, if I'm like rehearsing and someone comes up behind me and taps me on the shoulder, every single time I have a miniature heart attack because I'm just, <laughs> I'm literally not in the room. And it's like someone's awoke, like completely woke me out of this trance. But it is funny to think because like I, I do, I look hella weird when I play, but I'm not tense. I'm super yeah. just happy and relaxed and comfortable and I'm doing what I do best, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, you have, have definitely got to be super focused. And it's it's here's the difference. It's not you don't have to necessarily be super focused to play the part. And I say play the part because you could have two people play these drum parts. One person can play it loose, and one person can play it accurately with the stylistic touches and and you know what I mean, the, the yeah. little tiny details that matter. So it's like it's like making a pizza, isn't it? Like someone could literally get a piece of bread put some tomato ketchup on it and a <laughs> block of cheese and put it in a toaster and say pizza you're like okay sure it's got all the ingredients but that is a terrible pizza <laughs> do you know what i mean yeah that's how i see this it's like you could get by you could play these songs sure but to actually play them like this without any sort of snap into grid or any samples like you have to play with consistent kicks whether it's fast or slow you have to have consistent power to have them all stand out and to have all these, to have everything just the way I want it, dude, you have to be so focused. Yeah. It's, it's crazy intense. And and that is, that's what excites me again. Like, I don't want to watch a video of someone where it's literally all just been manipulated because it's like, what's the point? Yeah, like, you know, like watching everything. a vocalist, like, yeah, yeah, like watching a vocalist sing on on a lot, you know, quote unquote live performance. You're about, yeah, you're about and to hit like, one of my biggest pet peeves right here. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah, it's like there's about fucking twenty layers all tuned, like harmony layers. There's <laughs> their layer is like also tuned and snapped to grid, and like yeah. you're watching it and you're like, what's the point? Like, I'd get way more of a kick out of just sitting in a room with that vocalist and hearing them sing without a microphone and yep. nothing do you know what i mean because yep. that's them that's what i want and i feel the same about drum videos like i don't want to watch what someone's achieved on pro tools i want to watch that drummer play i want to see a real yep. performance and yep you know to, yep. to actually nail these songs in the you know to play them the way i played them dude the focus is unreal it's literally like you're in a different planet <laughs> when you you play in them and Crazy. <laughs> yeah, and you know, especially with how um, kind of sporadic some of the stuff that these songs have might be, you know, uh, and they have a groove and everything, but they do have some pretty off-time, not straightforward stuff happening, and so I just feel like you'd have to pay a bit more attention uh, just to be able to do it. Um, but yeah, I I cannot freaking stand whenever a vocalist posts like live performance of their studio performance and you can tell it's pre-recorded like the way their mouth is shaped you're like you're not making that Dude. sound currently like it's so freaking obvious that's why i put in the descriptions of all my videos i'm like no pre-recorded audio no pre-recorded video everything you're seeing we pressed record at the start and we press stop at the end yeah. that is it you know what i mean i really try and stress it a lot but uh, well, for a minute, I, I struggled for credibility for some reason because uh, I, I really thought I'd earned my stripes. You know, here I am. I've been touring the world for the past six, seven years, night after night, 
yeah you know playing these songs in front of people without triggers without edits obviously it's in person and then the minute i put 40 roll up the first song i was struggling for credibility people say no it's fake <laughs> really? I was like, what <laughs> i thought i thought i'd got past all this crap but um it didn't take long before people started to really di- try and dissect it and pull it apart and play it at half speed and 0.25 speed and then i realized oh this is legit like <laughs> yeah um and so uh, uh, for that's, that's people... something interesting really quick I, I know you're about to ask you, so I'm sorry I get really excited and then I don't sure um, someone said to me the other day so these songs are just the craziest thing you can play right what's next Chris and I was like what they're not the craziest <laughs> thing I can play what are you talking about yeah you think I'd put the craziest thing in like the craziest thing would mean you literally attempt it thousands of times like I'm, I'm a rock climber right I see these climbing videos of like I don't know, Adam Andre climbing change and he's there for months. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. trying it over and over and over and over and over again until he finally gets lucky and perfect conditions and yeah. whatever. And he, he gets it and you video it and you put that online and you say, look what I did. <laughs> yeah. Like, I'm like, do you think I did that with this album? Like I plan on touring this album. If that was how hard it was, I'd blow it every night. <laughs> right. Like, wrote this album so that it's sustainable i could play it every single night start to finish without fail for a month you know what i mean like this is not the craziest thing i can play this is just music that i like playing yeah but people definitely didn't get that vibe at first they thought i was really pushing the boat out but i was just doing something that was in my comfort zone yeah (laughs) yeah which is quite amusing i guess well and just like i mean you can look at the, the amount of takes it took me like most songs are anywhere between two and four attempts it took. And it's not because I blew it on the second and third and then I got it right on the fourth. I literally play these songs through start to finish. Yeah. Bang on three or four times. And then I pick my favorite, you know, oh, I liked that fill or, oh, I did a cool improv on that one. Or, oh, I really like the dynamics I got here. Let's go with that one. Yeah. You know, like I put out the drum video for VIP today. I actually did nine takes of that song, but we used take six. You know, you end up going back over yeah. it and you're like, oh, this one was really cool and dynamic. And yeah, yeah that's cool. it's a, it, it's not a case of like getting lucky and doing it once. It's, <laughs> it, it's definitely not that. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's a cool process. Um, and it's, it's an interesting process. Like no one does do records like that. Uh, and I don't know that I've, I've known of a couple of drummers that have done some solo stuff, but I don't, I definitely don't think it's in this realm. I, I think that they're doing more, uh, I don't know, a, lo- a lot of the different style, but you're actually writing songs that are like enjoyable. Like you said, how a lot of guitarists will put out a record and it's just them showing off. Like you actually wrote songs that are listenable, uh, to the masses really. Yeah. And so it's cool that you wrote it like that and that you did it like that. Um, and so, as far as you, you said that you'd want to perform this stuff live. Um, what would that oh, look? Yeah. What would that look like? Well, <laughs> in typical Chris fashion, I don't necessarily go by the book. I wouldn't want to do like a normal, a normal show. Do you know what I mean? Where it's yeah. like intro music, walk on stage, play some songs, shout for an encore, play one more, leave the stage. Yeah. Like I'd want to do it like my way. Um, First and foremost, I've done these like ridiculous intro scenes for every song, um, like on my, on the video side of things. 
I think I'd really like to replicate them before playing each song on stage. Yeah. I think that would be really fun. So we did this one like for Butcher Boys where I had like all these drift cars and we were drifting into like a hot dog stand and there was hundreds of hot dogs flying around. <laughs> like I'd love to get out like a hot dog stand and like start chopping up like hot dogs and throwing <laughs> them out to people and dress like dress up as a butcher and then like get behind the kit and I'd love to have the kit like at the I don't know either at the front of the stage facing backwards so people can see you know yeah. my feet or sideways or maybe if I can get lucky like have one of those venues where the stage's in the middle or something and have oh, the yeah. drums in the middle I don't know but I'd love to have it so that it's more of a highlight on the drums but also it's just more like inter- more engaging more interactive just more stupid like I'd love to like really like toy with the audience and you know try and replicate these intro scenes and have a laugh with people and yeah just, just do funny stuff like I don't know I don't want to do I don't want to try and do the whole like oh yeah we're gonna be really creepy and <laughs> you know be creepy yeah I'd rather just be Chris which is just yeah. kind of dumb <laughs> like, well, well thinking like about it I where I have like a Oh, go on. Uh, thinking about it, like how you said, like being able to have a stage in the middle of the room. Well, if the focus is um, drums and you would have, uh, you know, people playing some instruments, there's you're not going to have to worry about feed, feedback as much because there's not going to be like a vocalist going the entire time. And so maybe you exactly, could, maybe yeah. you could just freaking do a drum riser right in the middle of the room and have like the stage for like some prop stuff or something. And, but you could literally do a drum riser directly in the middle of the room. That could be really sick. Um, dude, I'd love to, I'd literally love to, but like the intro scenes as well, like I'd, I'd love to replicate them. I watched a Tyler, the creator performance live the other week yeah. and it was so entertaining. He actually, he actually got a miniature, like, I say miniature, like a pretty big pool built into the stage. And he put a fucking boat on it. He had a yacht on stage floating. Jesus. And he was like on it and he was like on his yacht dancing. And I'm like, that is the hardest thing ever. <laughs> and he's like doing all these stupid things. And I'm like, man, I want to do that. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to just walk on stage and play a song, and get off the stage. Like we did this intro scene where I've got like a really big head and I'm like working at a steel factory. Like I'd love to go all theatrical and like, do an outfit change and wear the same outfit I had on on the video shoot and like get a big cardboard cut out of big heads and like, you know what I mean? Just, uh, it'd just be so much more fun. Yeah, definitely. Well, and (laughs) and I think, uh, you know, not saying bad about it or anything, but it is, it needs to be different than normal performance because the music itself is different. You know, it's drum focused and it's you focused. And so it has to have something above and beyond than just a normal performance for sure. Um, and so I think usually vocalists can like jump in the crowd or whatever and talk and communicate with the crowd. Yeah. You know, I sort of communicate a different way, don't I? That's why I'd want to do all this stupid stuff. That's sort of my way of interacting with people. You can wear like one of the like, uh, sync Backstreet Boys mics that like clip on, like, you know? Oh, could you imagine? Yeah. You could look like a pop star. It'd be it'd be sick. That I definitely got to do that. <laughs> um, to be fair, I do interact with people a lot, even yeah. at the ocean shows. Like I've been doing this thing. We played a bunch of festivals around Europe just last month, and I don't know. <laughs> I don't know why I've adopted doing this thing, where I like point at someone really aggressively, like make up, square up eye contact, be like you, and like when I finally got their attention, I'll just be like. I don't know, say they're wearing a hat or like nine nice hat to them and you just see them laugh like <laughs> <That's> <laughs> I, I, <funny. laughs> I really enjoyed doing that. 
Well, that's how I like interacting with people. Yeah, of that's, course. I, I don't know. Yeah, well, I I think I that, do more of that I think you're in the right realm. Um, I think that uh, there was one drummer I forget what band he was in, but he started doing solo stuff and he got he went like viral on YouTube. Then he start he did like a tour and I thought it was weird. He had bands touring with him and stuff, and then he was like headlining, but he was doing like covers of like you know the Pokemon theme song where he played metal drums over that and stuff like that. Um, and so it just oh, did right. yeah, it just didn't seem like um that entertaining like but maybe it was for the crowd uh just sitting there jamming to metal drums over you know random little songs like nintendo songs and stuff but i think from your perspective if you look at it like how tyler the creator would to entertain the crowd but then have like these big energy like fun moments with the songs i think that i think you're right i think you got the right idea for that for sure yeah i did definitely yeah i mean you can just sort of tell even from talking to me it's like I just enjoy it, don't I? Like, I enjoy drumming. I enjoy playing. I just want to go do it and have fun. Like, there's no, like, like I'm not trying to do, like, any alter ego or, like, any big ego or nothing like that. It's just, like, I just yeah. want to go play drums and, like, have fun with an audience whilst doing that, you know? For sure. <laughs> yeah, and um, so from, from like, this perspective, um, again, there's a lot of people that are, listen to this that are starting up or maybe they're a drummer in a local band and trying to become something like how can someone get to the point of as a drummer building their personal brand to becoming like a full-time drummer musician like in the way that you have or people like luke holland or whatever like how can someone even push themselves to that point dude that's like the the ever ever changing answer isn't it like you know, 20 years ago, it would be getting a band and get on tour. And then, you know, 15, 10 years ago, it's get a presence on YouTube. Yeah. <laughs> Complete opposite. It's like constantly changing, isn't it? But I think the only things that really remain true is, you know, sort of the the holy grail of how you get sponsored, really. And that is if you're actually any good. Yeah. If you're a nice person and if people are going to see you. So that's what sponsors look out for. You know what I mean? Like they're not going to, like, people are going to see you. Let's take that. No one's going to sponsor you. if No one's going to see you playing their gear. So you could be the best drummer in the world, but if you're just stuck in your basement playing, like you're not going to get sponsored. Right. You know, you have to actually have the equipment out for people to see you playing with that logo. So people need to see you. The other thing is being a nice guy. Like you could be the best drummer in the world. You could be on all the craziest tours, but if you're an asshole, like drum companies don't want to sponsor you genuinely like it's very very small tight-knit community the drum world is everyone knows everyone even like you know so-called you know opponent companies or whatever they're all friends everyone's friends with everyone no matter what genre you come from the drum world is it's so pleasant dude and i mean you and you and i both come from the music industry and you know how horrible that can be i'm sure yeah. You know, lots of people screw a lot of people in the music industry, but the drum world, dude, is a beautiful place. It really is. <laughs> yeah. Um, no one wants to sponsor an asshole. <laughs> Definitely. That extreme, one of these three things, you know, you might still pull it off. So you might be like a shit drummer and you might be an asshole, but if you are playing to that many people every night, you'll probably still get sponsored. Yeah. Or, you know, if you are the nicest guy in the world, but you're still kind of a shit drummer, but you're still playing to some people, you could probably still get a sponsorship if you're that friendly. 
Like, <laughs> yeah, for sure. But those are the three things that people look for. If you have all three of them, that's the home run. That is like, if you're a great drummer, you got, you know, you play into a good audience and if you're a lovely person and you're personable and, you know, whenever you meet up with your sponsors, you know, they remember your name, then you're going to do great. You, you've got the, that's the magic three, in my opinion. Like, for example, Vic Firth, one of my sponsors, they sponsor how many people? Over 4,000 people. Yeah. It's insane. And why do they ring me up to play drum shows? Do you know what I mean? Why, why do every time I'm in Boston, why do I go for dinner and drinks with, with like, high up people in the company like joe and eric and whatnot why why do they want to go out with me right. you know there's plenty of other bands in town it's because we're friends we text you know we, we did workouts on facetime in the past you know what i mean we've like it's actually friendly it's not like oh my manager will message you it's like i'll just speak to you anyway because we're buds yeah that's it's it's massively important but if you can somehow if you have all three of those things, if you can put that online as well, online is huge now. It's definitely huge. So if you can do all of that online, people will care. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't really know what else to say. I don't think there is like a secret to it. I just think you have to be super, you can't stop. You have to be super persistent. Just keep going and keep showing the world that you've got those three things and how passionate you are. And eventually, you know, your spark will, light a fire eventually definitely that's all i can really yeah (laughs) and like you just said you have to show the world uh or at least attempt to and it has changed over time you like you said you had to be on tour back then to show the world but now the internet you have access to jillions of people um just with being able to do covers or you know anything like that and so definitely got to put yourself out there and i couldn't agree more that just being a, a decent person is super important in the industry just because like you might get a you might land one tour to be able to fill in for some band but if that if you have a bad time with that band and they think you're a douche then you're probably not yeah. going to go out with anyone else ever again <laughs> and so no literally yeah you'll you'll never get hired by that band again and that band will tell all their friends don't hire this guy exactly like it's that simple yeah and so yeah i think that 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 part is super super important and um with Oceans, uh, you guys just put out some uh, that new Dawn song, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, so it's just like a big breakdown, right? <laughs> Basically. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> yeah, and so is is there like some sort of reason for that? Like, is it is it like, are you guys showing a new age of what you're doing? Like, you're about to be super heavy or something? Because it's really short, too. Or like, what's the what was the point of that song? Right, so... Rewind into the start of the convo, we discussed how it's a bit of a democracy. Yeah. And sometimes sometimes you, you might not be for a decision, but it happens anyway. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so this song, right. This song was actually uh like one of one of the few songs that I literally wrote start to finish. Like it basically was it was my concept, it was my idea. I, I just wrote the track and I just basically sent it to the guys and said, What do you think? Um, I got super excited about this weird metric modulation that I heard on a video and yeah. I just thought that would translate really cool, really cool to a breakdown. So I did it and then I, I got carried away and I did a different change and then a different change and I just got really stupid with it. But it was super like fun and exciting from a rhythmical standpoint. You know, it's actually quite intermediate musical theory on a, on a rhythmical standpoint and 
I don't know, it just for me that really excited me. It's heavy, it's powerful, and it's it's awesome. It's it's not dull. It's like yeah. not boring theory. Like you can actually sit there and analyze it. So it ticks all my boxes. Um, and the band was like, "Yeah, cool, wicked, heavy little breakdown. Let's throw it in as an interlude." I was like, "Sick." So the plan was that was going to be like an interlude or like a little, I don't know, like say it's an eleven track. It would be like track ten before the big big yeah. last song or something, or maybe it'll be an intro. So maybe it'll be track one, like an intro yeah. breakdown. Um, so that was kind of how it got written. It never really was written to be a full song and it never really was supposed to be a single, especially. Um, that's why it's so short as well. But I don't, I don't know how it happened, dude. I don't know. We've got a record <laughs> label. There's loads of other cooks in the kitchen, there's yeah. loads of opinions. And before I knew it, new dawn was coming out. And I said, I was like, it's super short. Like, aren't people going to be mad? We haven't put a song out for like two years. And then we put out one minute something, but everyone was like, I don't know. It's just a cool song. Let's do it. So yeah, I personally wouldn't have made that choice. If it was the solo album, I would have gone with a different focus track, but uh, yeah, I can't explain why it's definitely not to, to show what's to come because a lot of the album is lo-fi and metal. It's, um, yeah, like literally lo-fi beats mixed with metal more like metamorph uh one of our yeah. other singles uh i don't know maybe they were going for shock tactics like look how heavy oceans can be or yeah i, I don't know dude well, I'm, I'm with you on that one i'm well, asking the, i'm asking the same question even <laughs> though i wrote this one i'm still asking the same question as to why it was a single <laughs> yeah and so um just curious uh, uh, you know i talk a lot about the industry side of things and because a lot of people don't hear this side of things ever um and so it's nice for some people outside of it to hear this stuff so like you said label was you know involved in the decision of that as well was it really like hey it's been two years we need something but we don't know what song to do a single so let's just throw this one out there real quick uh like as like a time filler to be like it's been too long without something was the label like we need something to keep momentum like going right now for playlisting or something I don't think so. Uh, I think, well, because the whole album's done. The whole album's like recorded, mixed, mastered. So you could have picked so anything. So there's total free reign. Yeah. Yeah, and Fearless have been talking a lot about, a lot of bands are doing these um, like dual singles, like duo single. Oh, so yeah. they like put out one song and then another song instead of like one focus track, it's like two focus tracks, yeah. but they put them both out together. Like I've seen like a bunch of other labels doing it to yeah. be fair, where like, it's literally two different music videos and two different songs in one video. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, I, I don't know. It's like a weird thing, but people are apparently doing two singles now. Huh. And Fearless was like, yeah, we want to do that. So can we pick a heavy one and a light one and do that? And we said, well, the heaviest song is probably this new Dawn track. Okay. And then, but these songs are really good songs. So we should probably do these as the singles. So we ended up shooting music videos for the other two singles which are like full singles and we've we've shot the videos and they're ready to be released fairly soon i think but i guess from that initial conversation of a heavy and a light one new dawn kind of stuck around and they, <laughs> they just ended up putting it out gotcha. I, I really don't know dude <laughs> but yeah there's there's two more to come there's two more singles to come oh well that's um, good and so like they're, they're good songs as well yeah for for you guys style um one of my uh, best friends his name's kyle he he might listen to this too he he likes you guys a ton always talks about you guys um and 
like I've I've heard you guys quite a bit too because I streamed on Twitch for like five years and so people would request your guys' music a pretty good amount. Um, right. And the the extreme dynamic from the soft to the heavy has always been the thing about you guys that I've always like. That's what sticks out to me. Um, you know, I yeah. listen to a lot of music, so I don't necessarily like fully pay attention to stuff. But that's something that caught my attention and stuck with me. Ocean's Eight Alaska does really soft crap and then really heavy crap like out of nowhere almost and so (laughs) it's it's nice to have something so distinctive that that itself is what like i know your guys sound and i don't even have to listen to it um and so it's very distinctive stylistically um but from like a live perspective i haven't watched any live videos of you guys but like how does that dynamic go across live and how do you guys make that work i mean for people who know us like if we're playing like a headline tour or something, so majority of the audience are there for us. They they already know it's like a pre-programmed like like yeah. show. They like they already know how they're going to respond because they know them. They know the songs inside out. So when there's a heavy bit coming, we don't even need to call it out. They're yeah. opening up a pit sort of thing. When there's like a, a nice bit coming, they're already like pulling their lighters out of their pockets. They're <laughs> ready to go. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but when we're playing like either a support for a support tour that maybe we're, you know, branching out to a fairly new audience, like we just did a tour with a day to remember supporting them. And I guess we've never toured with them before. And I guess that's quite a crossover for us, like, cause we're yeah. a bit heavier than them and a bit more techie than them and a bit newer, I guess, than them. But I feel that we definitely had like a bit of a crossover with their audience. Um, their crowds just didn't know how to take us. They, they was just stood there like you could tell they were enjoying it but they were just like i don't know what to do i, <laughs> I think, don't know if i should I, mosh or not oh and i think especially someone that doesn't know your style because for something like that you're playing to thousands and thousands of people that absolutely don't know who you guys are um and so yeah. it's like uh they they don't even know what to expect so whenever you might go super heavy then go super soft they're like you know that might really catch them off guard now if you were to be on yeah, like dude, it throws people yeah like but if you were to tour if like the browning and your band toured together they're relevant enough that like the browning fans would already know like what to expect and so yeah we're, we're people just kind of like on a tour like that just like really like especially because you guys are so techie like uh, they don't remember super straightforward and predictable like you guys are very not yeah and it's- so the, yeah, the crowd it, it's was interested. Just, yeah, <laughs> I mean, I, that's one thing, because, like, my music's completely written just for the live aspect of it. Like, I just want it to be heavy and have a ton of energy. And so, like, the your vocalists and everything, is there, like, a lot of thought put into, like, how they're going to interact with crowds, or is it more just about the performance, like, the actual performance of the music, like, the instrumentation and the singing and all that? Like, does that seem like more of the focus live rather than a ton of energy, or... I mean, you, I guess you're sort of asking the wrong person for Oceans because oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm in the back with Oceans. I, and and I, do, I do my whole focus thing. For the most part, I'm super focused. And yeah. I just, for me, because I'm not going to be jumping in a crowd and I'm not going to be, you know, spinning my guitar around my back or whatever, because I'm sort of planted on, on a seat. I just, and because I'm the backbone of, as a drummer you're sort of you know you gotta hold it together because we're so techie and there's so many like changes you you really do have to be a solid foundation for that kind of performance live 
So to me, when I play with oceans, my role is uh, all about like the music. Yeah. So like, I'm not back there thinking, I don't care if I play a bit messy. I just need to headbang and go crazy. Right. That's the opposite to what I think. I think I don't care if I sit there awkwardly for the whole show. I just want to nail it. Yeah. So for me, it's about nailing the part. But I know that the other guys would not say that. Yeah. Like I know that our guitarists would say probably more 50 50 like we care that we play our parts right but we also want to perform cool yeah like it'll probably be fairly even gotcha and i i don't know what our vocalist would say i, I literally can't even tell you the answer <laughs> yeah but for me for, for me it's definitely music over performance with oceans definitely. i think with my solo stuff it'd be 50 50 but the the performance side would be when i'm not playing <laughs> it'd be like all about the music when I'm playing and then in between songs I'd just go dumb and then yeah. it'd be all about the performance. There so, you go. Do you think you would do like some songs in between to like keep the crowd hype, keep them entertained and stuff like that in, in your solo stuff? Yeah, dude. I mean, because obviously from the production background I do all of Ocean's live tracks as well. I tend to, the set is always uh, one like one long show. I, I do the same I mean, thing. Like you press start. Yeah, and that's it. So the set is the exact same yep. every night to the second. Um, and I have, in the gaps, I don't necessarily like awkward silences, so I tend yep. to put stuff in, like I'll write custom beats or I'll write custom songs that will either change the key and the tempo into the next song or it'll link it really nice into the next song or yeah. it'll hint at the next song so people kind of know what's coming. And then when it comes in, they're like, oh, I knew it. And yeah, I don't know. So I'd probably do something similar, uh, especially because I've got all the beats on, the, on my solo album. I'd probably like extend the beats and make longer songs to be like joining songs. Right. Um, and then I'd probably like plan little skits yeah. to go along with it, I guess. Yeah, I do the same thing because <laughs> I, I, I'm the same way. I want it to feel like more of like a, a production. Like, I mean, if, anyone can look at Rammstein and realize how much effort is put into the thought process of the set, you know? And mm -hmm. like I do the same, literally everything you just said is exactly what I do. It's an hour long set. Lights are programmed to that set. Lights are exact same. The in between yeah. songs, I do a little, I do like a soft melody of the song that's about to come in and then it hits in real big. You know? And so same, same sort of deal. I, now, now I got to watch some live videos of you guys that, and I love watching live videos of bands. <laughs> well, uh, yeah. Yeah, and I can only really speak for the drums, but the drums should be bob on whatever live video you want. <laughs> there you go. Um, and so from your perspective as a um, drummer and like what, but the thing is you're not just a drummer. You're, you're also producing, you're, you also are capable of playing other instruments and doing all this. So like what, which also from, I said this in the last podcast I did, I think it's super important for everybody to know how to play drums, even to a basic degree. Um, I think it's extremely important being a musician that you need to know how to play some basic drums uh, just to keep yourself on with what the drummer's doing most of the time. Um, but from you, like being a multi-instrumental musician and being able to produce, like what is the career path that is like the trajectory that you're working towards? Um, like, no one I, I, in the modern world i don't think anyone can just be a drummer forever unless if they have a huge like breakout moment yeah like what is what is for the sure. career path that you lead this experience into uh for longevity as a career 
So I'm I'm going for as many passive income sources as I possibly can. Because, like, you know, I have... Okay, YouTube is one of my passive incomes. If I lived just off of my YouTube revenue, I'd be homeless right now. Yeah. Uh, if I lived just off of... I'd sell, like, drum lesson packs online. If I lived just off of them, I'd be homeless right now. But when you have five, six, seven different revenue streams, all of them, you know, accumulate and become fairly reasonable then so right now i've got five i've got five monthly revenue streams and even if i took a month off or i mean for that, even if i took six months off they would pay every month without fail without me lifting a finger yeah and that is like a construct which i've only sort of really learned from doing the solo album so the past sort of two years but i'm adding more and more strings to that bow now for passive income my goal is to have so many different revenue streams that I can literally have free reign for whatever I want to do then. So right now I'm at a point where if I want to take a tour, I can, even if it's not paying much or even if it's with oceans and, you know, it might put us in debt or something, you know, I like the fact that I can say, actually, I really want to do this tour. I'm going to do it anyway. I know that I've got everything covered because I've got my passive income from my other five revenue streams sort of thing. Um, but also that that frees you up, doesn't it? Like if I want to take, let's say, three months off to do this other project for another client, like I can, you know, even if they don't pay me for three, four months, I'll still be getting paid every month. Yeah. And that, that gives me a lot of freedom to do other cool jobs, which, again, I'd love. Right now I'm doing a super cool job. Uh, I mean, it's super cool for me anyway, because I love drift games on my phone. I love like car games. I love cars. Um and I love the music that they play in car games. And I've, I'm actually writing the music for Nitro Nation right now, which is an, a car iPhone game. Heck so yeah. it's awesome. Like, I'm literally like playing a car game, which I'd play anyway, and thinking, oh, I've got a cool idea for the song for this part. And then I'm going and writing it. And that's just super sick. And I'm not stressing, thinking, oh, no, I need to get back on tour, you know, because I need to make sure I'm earning. I'm, I'm still earning in the background. So yeah, and uh, a, a couple questions off of that. Um, so what? Yeah. First, before I get to the other ones, like what? How did you even land a a, a gig with doing music for like a game like that? Because there's a ton of people that would love to do something like that. So how did that opportunity even present itself? So this one uh, is definitely. I can't actually. You know, I'd wish I could give you an answer. I can't. Um, I can't say you have to climb the ladder this way or do this. I just so happen to know someone who worked, excuse me, on all of the Guitar Heroes, like very in-depth on all the Guitar Heroes. That's why Oceans is on Guitar Hero. You, I don't know if you knew that, but like a lot of people say to me, dude, why is Oceans like Alaska on like multiple Guitar Heroes? That's such a huge game. Yeah. <laughs> why is Oceans on that? It's because I'm very close with... Uh, the guy who does all the music for it, funnily enough. Gotcha. Uh, he's actually one of my best friends. And when it comes to like film and TV and game composition, I don't go out there and look for work. I don't put myself out there ever. It's just this one contact. He's just, just Mike. He's just my mate, Mike. Yeah. Whenever he gets too busy and he's overloaded, or if, or if there's just a job that he thinks I'd be super suitable for, he just sends it my way. Nice. Obviously, this car one, he was like, dude, 
you know what people who are into cars listen to. <laughs> I don't just take this whole one from there me. So I just did. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I've done, I've done all kinds of stuff for him. I've, I've literally done like PC games, iPhone games. I've done stuff for Netflix. I've done stuff for commercials. And it's all been because of Mike. Well, they say so it's I've all really about who you know. Given a, <laughs> yeah, yeah. In this case, I guess that's super true. Yeah. I wish I could give you an answer like, uh, you know, you get started here and yeah. blah, blah, blah. I really don't know, dude. I just, I get it from Mike. <laughs> well, ever, everyone just uh, find someone named Mike and then inevitably, you you, yeah, you might just find him, maybe. Uh, <laughs> and so uh, the other question from what you were just talking about, like what are the passive incomes that a musician can even be setting up? Like what, what sort of like income routes are there? There's obviously YouTube, like there's Twitch, which, uh, you know, Twitch is active slash passive because you could take a month off but still have your subs and everything. Um, but yeah, like, what... I guess that's more active because you still have to be doing exactly. it. Like touring is active as well because like you have to actually go and tour. Yeah. And for, um, for me, it's a lot of it, a lot of streaming, like pe- a lot of musicians have multiple projects that like, even if each one has 100,000 monthly listeners, you're going to make a pretty good amount of money every year if you have three projects that have a hundred thousand monthly listeners, like you're going to be doing pretty well. But like from your perspective, like what, what sort of passive incomes can a musician, uh, even be like strive for? Well, again, it's all about stacking them up, isn't it? Like you don't want to just rely on one. Um, cause you just, I mean, unless you absolutely crushing it, but again, if you was absolutely crushing it, you'd be a fool to only have the one because then you're missing out on all this other stuff. Yeah. So you definitely want to stack them. Uh, So the first one for me is streaming revenue. So that is a combination of Spotify and iTunes and Apple and Deezer and I don't know, Prada, all the other random ones that I don't even know what they are, but people still use Amazon. I don't know. All of them come together in, in one check. So there, that's just my streaming revenue obviously that is every month without fail even if i took you know a year off that's people as long as people are still listening you're still making and you know if you write a good enough record then (laughs) hopefully people will be listening forever uh i mean that's an interesting one isn't it because to keep relevant to keep people listening you have to keep relevant and to keep relevant you have to tour or you have to write a new record and blah 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 blah. but I mean, ultimately, you ca- you could stop and it'd still keep turning. Even if it turns less, it'll still keep turning. Yeah, I consider it passive uh, because once you put it out there, that's perpetually making money. It's out forever. Yeah, it's out forever, isn't it? Even after you die, it's still out making yeah. royalties. You know, uh, actually, that's how we should decide what's passive and what isn't. If you if you died and it's still making money, that is <laughs> passive as hell. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so that's definitely a passive one. Uh, Second one would be my YouTube. It's a funny one for anyone who does it. Uh, if you stop putting videos out, it really does die out. Like, not entirely, but it dips pretty hard. Yeah. Uh, if you're putting out weekly videos, it will constantly be topped up. Yeah. And it's not hard to do weekly videos. Like, I've done weekly videos for the past sort of three months, and I've got three months of content already filmed, ready to go. Yeah. You know, every week I just pull it out my folder. And as long as you keep on top of ideas, like it's not that hard. So I guess we'll go with passive because if I did stop doing it, it'd still keep earning. But yeah. also you, you kind of want to keep doing it anyway. 
then it's my merch store. So my merch agreement is with this company called Downright Merch. They're awesome. They do everything for me. So they they run did the my website. tour merch do... as well. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, Seamus, I'm guessing. Yeah. Yeah, the loveliest dude. So they do everything. So they do all the website design, all the website build. They deal with all the orders. So like if you, you know, someone orders all this stuff, they go print it. They actually print on demand. So whatever they need to make, they go make it. Then they package it. They ship it. They deal with returns. They literally do everything. I don't lift a finger. I don't even think about my merch store. Yeah. And every single I just get a check at the end of it. So that's definitely a passive yeah income source uh i've got my drum lessons which i sell i sell uh i used to do these like i used to do a lot of skype lessons and i found that i was just doing the same lesson i was like everyone's coming to me asking me the same things yeah and it's it's getting mad that i'm just keep repeating myself and it's the same hour over and over again so i just thought you know i'm just going to film this and put it on a (laughs) website and sell it and then i don't have to repeat myself yeah that literally keeps ticking over i haven't even thought about that for months and every month that ticks over yeah um it's pretty rad and again it's it's like youtube like if i'm gonna film another lesson pack soon i've only done one but you know you add a second lesson pack a third lesson pack it's just gonna multiply and keep ticking over but you know higher higher numbers and it's it's anything like this you don't i don't do twitch but i need to start doing twitch because I feel that that'd be quite suitable to what I do. I yeah. feel like a Twitch audience would enjoy that, but there really is a lot, man. There's yeah. a lot of different things you can do. Yeah. I still do do Skype lessons. I still do loads of writing jobs for other people. So like I'm writing a full record for Terminal right now. Uh, yeah. I've written a bunch of records lately, actually um, for other bands. Like sometimes they send me just, just uh, like everything, but without drums. So full production, vocals, guitars, bass, but no drums. Uh, I just done a pop punk album and then I do stuff for film TV. I get all these other random jobs in, you know, this is all stuff that is nothing to do with touring still. Yeah. You know, it's all all stuff you can do from home. So I do drum shows. I mean, I do drum, I do drum clinics. I I do guest lectures at universities. Dude, the list goes on. (laughs) I mean, okay. I've, I've granted, granted I've moved away from passive now. I've moved back into active. Yeah. But, my point is you have to accumulate all your jobs to make it real comfortable, you know? Yeah. And I mean, um, the, the, all the active stuff you're doing is kind of like, um, stuff that you're really, really going to enjoy that you can, that you would enjoy putting your time into like that. And then, absolutely. Um, and so and it feeds the, the passive. Exactly. And so I think it's then hundred percent, uh, you're doing it right. As far as all of that sort of stuff goes. Yeah. I do. And there's always more, like I've got, I've got Nick Nocturnal, this YouTuber. I've got, he, he's on my ass all the time, saying you should be doing this by now, Chris. And he like, he literally bullies me. He's like, why haven't you done this yet? <laughs> and fair play to him because he's usually right. And yeah. <laughs> just from him motivating me, he's he's helped me earn more money. So fair play to Nick. Yeah. Um, there's always more you could be doing, but I think if, if as long as you're on your toes and you you know you actively going out to to do it, then. There's no reason why everyone couldn't do this, you know what I mean? It's the people who just sit there and expect it to happen. And I'm sure you know plenty of people, because I know plenty of people like that. (laughs) They're in bands, and they're like, my band is signed, so it should make me money. So (laughs) I'm just going to go on tour and come home. And 
you yep. expect the check. It's people like that that usually have a pretty hard reality check. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And because um, no matter what, you should pretty much always have like sec- second form of income, unless if you're like salaried like hundreds of thousands of dollars a year or something, then F it. Like just chill out whenever you're not doing that. But like as far as the creative realm, uh, you have to put your hand into literally everything possible um, for until you really get um, some things set up for yourself. Like over the years, I've I've done shirt designs, lyric videos, uh, freaking recording, mixing, like writing for other bands. I've done almost everything possible that's as far as creative side for bands to make money over the course of the years until I finally got to where like my crap was set up. I didn't have to work necessarily on anyone else's stuff. And so that yeah. was like, you have to, to put yourself out there like that. And you have to take any jobs that you can until you have the setup to really find your place. And, um, I also think it's cool that you, um, diversify enough to where you're doing, um, like lectures at colleges and stuff like that. Um, I've done a couple career days at, um, like these, uh, I've, I know some people that are teachers and people that work in school districts and they bring me in to talk to people about like having a unique career that's not like basic. And like, I think it's really important to inspire people in that way and talk to people um, outside of to try to inspire people to get into a more creative career path. And so I definitely think you're doing um, some really good stuff with all of that. And it sounds like you're diversified enough to where you could go into any of these realms after. And so just uh, I think the initial question was like, how are you building up a career for yourself besides just being a drummer? And so um, it sounds like uh, diversify and then also monetize in as many different ways as you can. Like you're a drummer that is monetized on like seven different routes, like immediately just based off of that. <laughs> and yeah. so, well, I mean, I guess, I guess going back to the original question then is I'm not, I'm not a drummer, you know, yeah, I'm not exactly. just a drummer. Most of my income comes from things that isn't directly to do with drumming. Yep. So the answer is definitely diversify, Yeah. you know, yeah. as long as it's, you know, what you want to be doing, you know, I'm not diversifying by going and working the concrete two days a week. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I'm keeping it relevant to what I, what I do and everything's relevant to what I enjoy, but literally half of these jobs are nothing to do with drumming. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Yeah. And, um, just, uh, as far as drumming too, uh, where do you take your drumming right now? And are you, are you like happy with where you're at? Or do you see like a level of drumming that you're like, I need to try to get there? Oh, dude, I, I literally, uh, I remember I hit a point uh, when was it? it would have been about four years ago or something, five years ago. And I, I comfortably said to my girlfriend, I'm the drummer I've always wanted to be. I really am. And that was because I'd done enough touring at this point. You know, everyone knows I don't like triggering. You don't, you don't get to that point without using them and trying them you yeah. know i'm sure some people are hearing this and in shock horror right now but you know you see all the people that go around like like go around like schools and stuff doing the whole don't do drugs things like <laughs> they're all ex-addicts yeah. you know what i mean like you have to kind of learn sometimes what you do and don't like and you know i tried triggers for a bit and i had nothing but horrible 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 experiences i'd get off stage bright red in the face like cringing sometimes literally upset with 
how embarrassed I felt because so many things went wrong. And I'm thinking, why why am I doing this? This is just ruining drumming for me. It's ruining the fun of drumming. You know, and I found a different way. I found a way where I can play so consistently myself, it's made a trigger completely redundant. And I've done all of these different things and I've taken all these different routes until I literally felt like I'd experimented with pretty much everything I could. And I've now settled on this style and this sound. And I, I literally remember just saying to my girlfriend, right now, I am the drummer I, I want to be, like exactly on every aspect, and I love it. Yeah. And since then, I've just continued to, like, I've just gone even more, more extreme, to be honest. Like, I keep going more extreme. So yeah. but I've, I've moved on from the no triggering thing, then moved on to the one take thing. Then I moved from the one take thing onto no snap to grid which was a really scary one for me, but I've realized, wow, it's actually better. And, you know, so I'm, you're always learning, you're always growing, you know, uh, there's never an end goal. There's never like, you never reach the top of, of the ladder, you know, it's, it's infinite, but I definitely feel that I am totally myself when I play drums. Like I, I really have hit a point where it's like, this is me as a drummer. I'm not, I'm not trying to be no one else. I'm not questioning anything I'm doing. This is totally me through and through as a drummer. And I've been like that for a good few years now, but I'm still planning what's next. Like I'm still pushing the boat out. I've got I've got plans for a second solo album, and my concept <laughs> my concept for that is <laughs> it's the same thing as this last one, where there's no triggers, no snap to grid, all one take. But this time, I want to do the whole album one take. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I want to just li- literally press record and do the whole album <laughs> start to finish. Um, which is just terrifying me right now, but I yeah. love that. I love that it's terrifying me because all I'm going to end up doing is finishing that record and then being like, I've got an even crazier idea. I'm now going to do this. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, there's, there's never like a point where you've, you've hit your limit. You know, you can always keep pushing, but I'm definitely, I've definitely found my own personality within drumming. And I don't think that's changing. I think that's like just me through and through. And I think that's, definitely going to remain the same there you go and so then the next step is break the guinness world record for most songs played consecutively yeah definitely (laughs) definitely no it's it's, i don't know where it's going to go but i know it's going to get done like it's going to get borderline like torturing myself there you go i mean speedrunners do it every single day on on video games so you can just sit there and do like marathon drumming sessions on twitch like 56 hours of drumming and you know there you go dude I've, I've, I've actually started to plan this like second solo record um because i've got the whole car theme and people know i love my japanese cars and stuff i'm thinking about having like a miniature pit stop in the middle of this like video where i get like <laughs> i'm gonna have like five or six people dressed up in like i don't know like pit stop style clothes but they're going to have like my drum sponsors on them instead of like car sponsors. <laughs> and I'm going to have them like run out with like a jack and I'm going to have them jack the drums up on like a drum riser and like roll it off and roll on like fresh drum gear. And like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't there know. I've got like a wacky idea for it, but I definitely want to do the whole album in one. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. It, we'll, we'll see how it goes. Well, but it, well, I haven't even started writing it. I haven't I barely <laughs> even finished with this one. So 
I'm definitely getting ahead of myself, but well, it'd be cool. Man, it's a, never gonna stop. It'd be a cool concept. Um, how sometimes you see those videos where they do like these like one take music videos and they're changing sets and they're doing all this stuff. If you had like a like a 45 minute long like music video of you recording the drums live through it where the set changes and you rotate like different locations and stuff like that like have a a rolling set that your drum goes through and all that sort of stuff that would be so next level um that'd oh, be, dude that's crazy sick yeah that'd be that'd be awesome and so i'm i'm interested to see it and especially like i started off as a drummer drums was the first instrument i played and so drums is like a really big thing i pay attention to um and i that i watch a lot of drum videos and so i can really appreciate stuff like this and so seeing in the modern world um a a musician that's drum focused that is trying to push drums to a forefront and then also like take it to another level like that i can really appreciate it so i like what you're doing oh thank you dude thank you man i do appreciate that thank you and uh, so, yeah, everyone needs to check out all of your stuff on Spotify, not only Illustrious Alaska, but all the Chris Turner stuff. Um, and also the videos, watch you do it live, because obviously you put a good amount of effort into that. And the videos are really clean, sounds good, everything's perfect. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, now, I, now I can't wait to see what you do next. And I'm waiting for that 72-hour Twitch stream marathon Guinness World Record uh, drums nonstop. Yeah. There we go. <laughs> yeah i think i i think i can wait for that one but we'll, we'll see when it happens <laughs> right well i appreciate you talking to me man and uh i'll talk to you here soon hell yeah dude thank you for having me and uh peace out my man yeah peace dude thank you for listening through that episode and making it all the way to the end and before you move on to the next episode i would like to ask you again to please leave a five-star review that helps push us to the algorithm and we are one of the fastest growing metal podcasts in the world and so that helps it grow even more and to reach more people and so again thank you so much for listening and we'll see you in the next one peace out